Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. If you have your Bibles, uh, grab them, open them to Matthew chapter 3. That's where we're going to be in just a second. It was a couple years ago, I got to take the trip of a lifetime with my, with my dad. It was a trip that um, really had kind of been in the works, although we didn't know that for quite some time. But I had visited with a friend of mine years ago who had just taken a trip with his dad, like a big trip, not like, like to the store, like a significant trip. And he said, Jeremy, if you can in any way, shape or form do a trip for, with your dad, um, do that. Um, don't, don't let money hold you back. Don't let time and schedules hold you. Just do it. So my dad and I, we joined with about 12 to 13 other people, and we went to Ireland. Has anyone ever been to Ireland? A few of you. Um, if you ever have the chance, go. Um, we toured the history of Christianity in Ireland. Uh, we went to all of the high holy sites uh, of Ireland, where um, the, the saints that some of you have heard of, uh, they kind of did their thing. We, we spent time there. It, it, really, it wasn't really a sightseeing tour, it was a pilgrimage. It was a, a pilgrimage is something where you, uh, you, you go somewhere with a, uh, with a purpose to, to seek out, to, to be formed and shaped in the process. And so we went to Ireland. And it was... I I encountered a lot of things there, a lot of things that I'm still wrestling with. But one of these things that I I guess I came back to uh, time and time again is this. It's the recurring theme of how the saints of Ireland weathered the storms of life. You see, these weren't men and women who had some significant religious pedigree. They weren't uh, rock stars. Um, They were just ordinary, humble people like you and I who understood that God wanted something of them. And because of that, they were willing to give their all. Uh, One of the places that we went was to Mount Brandon. It's this this mountain that rises uh, off the coast um, up a, a couple thousand feet. And we, we hiked the top. In and of itself, it was a, a pilgrimage. Um, at the top, it is rumored that Brandon would, um, he built a little stone hut. Uh, you can see the kind of the indent of it still. And on that mountaintop, he would pray. Um, in the midst of blowing winds, uh, raging storms, uh, and in the midst of the ordinary mundane, he would be found on the mountaintop praying because he wanted to encounter all that God had for him. Uh, his time upon the mountain, looking out over creation, you, you can see the ocean uh, very clearly, and you can see um, where the ocean meets the horizon. And it was up there that he sensed God calling him to go. 
to go from where he was at and to trust God with where he would be delivered to. So Brandon hopped in a boat with a group of fellow pilgrims who had no idea where they were heading. All that they knew was that they were gonna trust God to deliver them to wherever it was that God wanted them to be. And so you come down off the mountain and you have this little alcove where there was a small beach where they would have put in their, their, their rudimentary boat and they would set out. And um, this is the funny part of this story. And I chuckle every time I say it. Um, n- no one ever heard from them again. <laughs> That's the funny part of this. But there are rumors that what happened was they actually ended up across the big pond where they started to work and God had them there for a reason. And as I, as I stood on the mountain, I looked out and I looked at the cove and I thought, God, am I willing to trust you to take me wherever it is you want me to go? Another guy that many of you probably have heard of, um, uh, St. Patrick, uh, the, the, the saint of Ireland. Um, he, he, I don't know if you know this, he's really, um, what he's known for is not about green beer and riots parties. <laughs> Patrick was a young man who was kidnapped from his home in Europe. And it was taken away to what we know now as the, the island of, of Ireland. And it was there for several years that he was um, subjected to, to cruel punishment and, and horrible slavery. He worked, um, his, they worked him to the bone there was one night uh, where he was able to escape and he found passage back to Europe where he returned home to the safety of his parents and his family. And it was interesting that in the midst of the safety of life back in Europe, he heard God calling him to go back to his captors in Ireland. And I, I don't know about you, but I probably would have wrestled with God on that one. I probably would have uh, questioned God's sanity on that one. Like, God, I, I, just, I just got out. I just got away from them, but you want me to go back? And God said, yeah, I do want you to go back. And so uh, he went back and he became known as um, the one who evangelized Ireland. Uh, pagan, it was a pagan culture. There were um, lots of uh, really almost mythical religious practices. And, um, and, and Patrick went back and embodied the good news of Jesus to the people of Ireland. The, 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 the warlord um, who actually owned him for a time, um, Patrick went back to him. Can you imagine this guy that escaped from your captivity coming back because God called you to come back to me? It was through the work of, um, through Patrick, that Ireland saw a revival. But can you feel the, the storm that Patrick had to weather in the midst of his captivity? Can you, uh, can you envision, uh, can you put yourself in, in the shoes of, of Brandon as he stood on that mountain praying, pleading to God, what is it you have for me to do in the midst of the storm? Uh, I want us to read a passage of scripture this morning in Matthew chapter three. We're gonna read verses one through 12. Um, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So if I'm reading uh, and you're reading your Bible and it sounds a little different, don't, don't go crazy on me. 
Uh, it's just probably a different translation. We're going to have it up on the screens as well for those of you who did not bring your Bible. But, but let's read uh, about what's happening here. In chapter 3, verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message. It was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. When they had confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of vipers! Who, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the ax of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat from his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. This is the word of God that is given to people like you and I, but not just to us. It's also given to people outside these walls, outside of our gatherings, people that you work with every day. This is the word of God. That it's for the purpose of transformation. It is the word of God that is a word of hope for us in our world today. This is the word of God. In the midst of the wilderness, something was happening in this passage. We jump into this story uh, after at the tail end of what was about a 400 year period where um, it seemed as though God had gone silent. Maybe you can understand what it feels like to not hear from God in the way that you want. But there was about 400 years where the prophets that had been speaking for God seemed to have gone silent. It's like God had gone on vacation. God was not in the building. He had disconnected. The people were longing. They were hungering. They were desperate for God to do something in their life, in their world. They found themselves needing God to do something here. So this is where we jump into the story. Throughout the history of humanity, God shows up in the harshest seasons of life. It's true of the people in this passage of scripture, but it's also true of our lives. You and I who are going through tough situations, God shows up, but sometimes God shows up in odd ways, in unexpected ways. It can be difficult for us to hold on to hope in the midst of the tough situations of life. Um, I talked to a few of you this morning. I heard your stories from the last couple of weeks and 
It's been a rough couple of weeks. It's been challenging in many ways. And sometimes as I prepare a message, I, I sit with the scriptures open and I, I have my computer and I'm typing away the words that I know God wants me to speak. And, and every once in a while I say, God, do you really think they're going to receive that word? He says, yeah, they will because it's a word from me. It's a word of hope in the midst of their situation. But sometimes it's just, God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? <laughs> God, why aren't you answering that prayer? But God shows up. While most of us spend time avoiding wilderness places and spaces, it appears that while seemingly barren and unproductive, it's those spaces in which we are most fully formed and shaped. It's in the hardest trials of life that we are refined that we are, are, are challenged, we are, we are molded into the people that God wants us to be. You see, if life was easy, how many of us would really press in on God? How many of us would really just spend time saying, God, you've got me. What, what do you want to do in this situation? I don't have anything left, God. It's, gonna, it's, it's all you. See, usually in the easy times of life, we coast. We find other things to replace our devotional time. We find other things to consume our time with the church. We find other things because, oh, we're okay, we're good. I don't need God right now. So maybe, just maybe, we really should be a people who pray for the hard times to come. I know that that's weird. You're probably second guessing, do we really want this guy to be our pastor? I read a book a few years ago. I highly recommend it to you. It's called The Heavenly Man. It's a book written by a house uh, leader, house church leader in, in China. And he recounts the story of the hardships that the, that the, the Chinese Christians are, are undergoing and continue to undergo. And in the midst of that story, he, we, he gets to the end and he's recounting his, uh, a tour that he took uh, of the Western world. And he was, I think, in America at the time. And he was at a church and they asked him, how, well, how can we pray for you, pastor? And he says, well, don't pray for the persecution to end. Well, that's weird. Only pray that we have the strength to stand up underneath it. But oftentimes, isn't it our prayer? Oh, God. Life is so tough. Take it away from me. And I think sometimes God says, no, I'm going to let you wrestle with that one a little bit. And then we blame God. Oh my gosh, God, how could you let this happen to me? And really we need to be that people who come to the place where we say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I'm in. Good and bad alike, I'm in. This passage of scripture that we find ourselves in this morning, uh, it, it recounts what has kind of been titled a, a new exodus. You may uh, recall the old exodus. Uh, it, was a, a led, it was an exodus led by Moses, and he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and their captivity there. And it was a journey through the wilderness to a land that had been promised to them. In this passage of scripture, we see a whole lot of parallels to that exodus but only this time, it's not Moses who's leading, it's Jesus who's leading. 
where Moses led the people through a wilderness wandering for 40 years, Jesus finds at the beginning of his ministry 40 days where he is prepared for the journey that lies ahead. Wilderness wanderings and journeys to promise realities are the things that you and I get to hold on to. And sometimes it's the journey that is difficult, right? It is the journey that takes a whole lot of time. It's the journey that takes you through valleys that are really deep and difficult. And there's even shadows that are cast over those valleys. But you see, we are a people on a journey. We are a people headed from where we are, where we have been, to where God has promised us to deliver us to. The songs this morning sang about it. We talk about heaven. We talk about the kingdom of God. We talk about this reality that God wants for us. But usually there's a journey to take us from where we are to there. Moving to new realities from old is kind of what we're signed up for. We say, I want to leave the captivity behind. We want to leave the slavery behind. We want to leave the things that are just not what you designed for me, God. I want to leave those behind so that I can grab a hold of what you have promised for me. While Moses led the first exodus, Jesus is leading the new one. And both of them will take us through waters in which our identity is completely changed. In the first exodus, we find this journey of the uh, Israelites. They find themselves on the edge of the Red Sea with the Israelite or the Egyptian army bearing down on their backs. They're not sure what is going to happen and what does God do? He makes a way through the waters. And as they journey through those waters that have been parted for them to walk through on dry ground, it's as though they became a completely different people. Now, the crazy thing about it is even on the other side, they, they still kind of didn't completely get it. You, you, you're not, we know what that's like. We don't always get it. We act in ways unbecoming of Christians. We, we, we act in ways that are just odd for people who have the hope of eternity. Um, there was a young lady at our first church, love her to death, still love her to death. And there would be times I'd walk into church and she's sitting there with this gloomy look on her face. I said, hey, what's going on? Uh. I said, well, you look like you've forgotten that Jesus loves you. Yeah. We, we all have those moments, don't we? Where we moan and we groan because life is not the way we want it to be. We are a part of a new exodus that is journeying through life that is sometimes tough sometimes excruciating, sometimes awful. But God has promised a new reality for us. In scripture, there's a couple different ways it is described, but this morning I want to talk about the kingdom of God. This, this new reality that is promised for you and I. It is a new reality that was ushered in, in part when Jesus showed up the first time and is continuing to break into our lives today. The kingdom of God is what you and I are destined for. You and I were created to, to be a part of the kingdom of God. The reality in which God has full control, full reign, full authority. Not just in the world, but in your life as well. My question for you this morning is, are you living in the full reality of the kingdom of heaven? Or are you just kind of dabbling in it? 
Chrissy and I, we took a drive Friday. We, uh, we got on Old Fort, which is what, 96? I'm getting there. <laughs> One of these days, I'll figure it all out. We wanted to go find the castle. You guys know what I'm talking about? So we realized it's not as far as we thought it was from here. And so we got to the castle, only to our dismay, you really can't get that close to it this time of year. And so um, we're on the road and we're like, what do we do? Well, let's just go uh, adventuring. So we, we followed these back roads. Um, I was a little nervous at times thinking, where are we getting ourselves to? But there was this point at which we stopped. The road was taking a sharp left, but ahead of us was the valley that was arrayed in front of us. And it was beautiful. Chrissy said, I would build a house right here. I said, well, too bad, because they're already doing that. <laughs> right there, new house. But sometimes, that's like you and I. We see off in the distance the kingdom of God, but we don't want to get too close. We want to watch from a distance. We would like the benefits of it, but we don't want to get too, too, uh, too immersed in it. That's not what you and I were designed for. You and I were created to come down off the mountaintop and live into the valley, to work into the city, the reality of God's kingdom. And that is his full reign and authority in your life. Advent is a time when we enter into our own wildernesses. We embrace those wildernesses. We recognize that these wildernesses are important places and times in our lives. Advent is that season where we realize fully that we are not where we are, are destined to be. We realize in the midst of Advent that the, that the light of Christ is not fully present in our life, although it's kind of showing up in little ways. But it's growing, right? The light is growing in our lives. And we recognize that we are headed to the place that God has for us. Through Moses and Jesus, something new was happening in the wilderness. And today, church, my word of hope for you is this. God is doing something in the midst of your wilderness. Through people like you and I, God is up to new things in the wildernesses. I love the kind of community that I see here at Real Life. I, I've heard you guys celebrate it as well. You love the fact that we are a church that likes each other. At least we act like it. And, the, and one of the things that I keep hearing from many people is this. Real life was a church that was created for those who don't have a church. One of the great problems that we are, we are looking at square in the face is this. We don't have a lot of room for people like that. Don't leave. Don't leave to make room for them. But we, we as a church are praying and we want you to be praying with us. How do we continue to be that church for those who don't have a church? Not just how do we have a, a, a program that someone else does that we can bring people to, but how do you and I help the kingdom of God to become a reality in the friends, family members, neighbors, and even enemies in our lives? How do we do that? There, there, there's two, two very important things when it comes to living into the kingdom of heaven. And one is this, it, it, it's a word, it, repentance. Repentance is, a, is, a, is about seeing things in a whole new way. It's, it's about recognizing our situation 
and um, doing something to turn ourselves around, to turn ourselves back in the direction of God. Repentance is essential. It's like, it's like the, the calling card. It is the step across the threshold. Repentance. One of the things that um, makes me a little nervous about uh, s- some of the Christian traditions is we feel like we repent once and then we're good. We got it all taken care of. No problems. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just odd which I am, but I find that there are times where God asks me to repent again and again and again. You see, I think we're called to be a people who um, spend our lives on our knees, submitted before God, where we say, God, you want that from me? Okay, I give it to you. You want me to change that part of my life? Okay, God, I don't understand why, but okay, I'll do that. But sometimes we know full well why God does not want something present in our life. And God wants us to repent. So church, I I hope that we are not those people who feel like I've I've repented and I'm done, I'm good. I've got my ticket, got it punched, going to heaven. But I hope we are that people who are willing to repent at a moment's notice when God highlights that thing in our life that needs to be adjusted. Repentance. Repentance is, 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 is not just a nice idea. It is essential in our lives. From the youngest to the oldest, from the newest Christian, or maybe not even the, the person who isn't even a Christian yet, to the person who has been journeying with God all their life. Can I just say, be ready to repent? Yes. Number two, um, the fruit of repentance. You see, to repent is extremely important, but you're not done at that point. You see, when you repent, you enter into a life of repentance. And it is that life that allows you uh, to produce a different kind of fruit. If you find yourself having repented, but nothing's changed, might I suggest that you go back to God and say, God, what's up? I thought things would be different. And maybe, just maybe, your uh, perception of reality needs to change. But maybe, just maybe, God wants to say, yeah, but you know what? There's something else I really want you to think about. I, I found also that repentance oftentimes is, is, um, is increased in our life. It is made even more substantial when we share that journey with other people. Oh, the pastor. I, I don't want people to know about that. I, I think... Um, real life requires vulnerability and transparency with other people. And can I just ask this of us as a church? Can we be that church? Can we be that people who takes the worst junk in people's lives and loves them through it? Can we not be that group of people who, who find out about that thing in someone's life and like, oh my gosh. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, can't have anything to do with them. But might we actually be the opposite? May we be the people who are drawn to people who need to be transformed. This is what Advent's about. Advent, it's about living into the kingdom. You enter the kingdom and reside there as you are fully submitted to what God wants to do in your life. 
So church, if there's anything in your life right now where you know God is not pleased with you, can I just say, repent. Don't wait a moment longer, repent. Repent, give it all over to God. New life comes in unexpected places and is ushered in by unexpected people. The wilderness was a place that oftentimes was feared by people. But can we be a church that embraces the wilderness? And can we actually set up shop there? Can we set up shop there? Even in the midst of the wilderness, the kingdom of God is near. That is a word of hope for us. And this morning, before we part, we want to recognize that in the midst of the wilderness, sometimes we need nourished. We need to be strengthened. I've had a few encounters of, of long wilderness walks where I get really hungry because I wasn't fully prepared. Sometimes I'm just parched. I need something to drink. We as the people of God who find ourselves in wildernesses are the same kind of people who need to be fed and nourished by the word of God, but also by God himself. So this morning, we are going to gather at the table. We are going to come and we are going to receive uh, two elements, bread and juice. Uh, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he gathered with his disciples and they did this oftentimes. They had done this before, but tonight was a little different. And, and after the meal, Jesus took the bread and he broke and he passed and he said, this is my body broken for you. I'm guessing the disciples that night looked at each other thinking, what is he talking about? But they did what Jesus said. They took the bread they received it. And, and it, it would be a couple days before they fully understood what Jesus was talking about. But you see, church, when we receive the bread, we are reminded of God's body broken for us. After the bread had been passed, he took the cup and he passed that around. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Now, they understood covenant language much better than we do. We'll talk about that sometime. Um. But, but Jesus was saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the way things are going to work now. And it's all because of, the, he didn't say these words that night. Because of my blood shed for you. Christ's body broken, his blood shed for you and I, that we would be nourished in our faith, that we would receive the gifts of grace for the journey ahead. This morning, I want those who will be serving to come. We are going to invite you all to come to the table this morning. Young and old alike. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the status in life. God invites all to the table. You, you may not have been around real life very long. That's okay. This table's for you. 
You, you may think that you're not worthy. Well, just look around. None of us are. But Jesus makes us worthy for he comes to us. This is just bread and this is just juice. But I don't even like that language because you see, I believe that God transforms these gifts into the grace that you need today. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you to stand in just a second. We're gonna pray. And then I want you to come forward and receive these. Hold on to them. Go back to your seats. And as the rest of the folks receive their, their elements, would you just take a moment to think about what God's body and blood broken and poured out for you means for this moment in the wilderness? Stand with me. Heavenly Father, this morning, would you take this bread and this juice and make them more than just bread and juice? May they be your very gifts of grace for a people in the midst of the wilderness. May these sustain us. May they nourish us. Lord God, this morning, may you help us become that which we eat and drink, your body for the world. So Lord, by your spirit, meet us right where we're at. In your name.